in terms of thinking about equity, like what is a way of laying down power? That's how I often think about my work is where do I have opportunities that I can lay down? I think the other thing that I like to think about is where am I existing in a silo that needs to get broken down? And even if you're not thinking in terms of power and privilege, just thinking in terms of isolation versus community, um, silos isolate us. They they cause us to think in our heads. Um, what are my ideas? What do I want to get done? And if I have a, a mindset moving forward of how can this be more of a communal thing, then it forces me to make today's decisions with community in mind, being more intentional about seeking input from the moms in my program, um, being as transparent as I can about Bell Detroit and some of the inner workings, giving them as many glimpses behind the curtain as I possibly can so that they can see um, how the sausage gets made. It's And it's not something that's hidden. It's not, you know, me on this pedestal and everyone else just sort of doing this work, but that we're all in it together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. My name is David Gaines, and I am one of your hosts. Today on the podcast, we invited one of our members, Carmen Dahlberg, to talk about her work at Bell Detroit, how her company empowers young mothers, and how she uses their workspace to create equitable opportunities for her team members. With an honors English degree from the University of Michigan, Carmen holds over 10 years of experience at the intersection of human resources and marketing management. She has managed creative teams from New York to the middle of the Huron National Forest, and in 2017, she founded Bell Detroit Creative Solutions, a creative agency that provides design and marketing work for mission-driven businesses by training and hiring income-limited Detroit moms. Carmen is an award-winning writer, and she regularly contributes to national publications on marketing, career development, employee retention, and parenting. She lives in Detroit with her husband and her three children. So, Carmen, thank you for joining us on the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Well, welcome, Carmen. It's so good to have you here with us today. We're so excited to be with you and to talk about your work with Bell Detroit. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. So, so great. So why don't we just kind of start start with the basics? Um, we'd love to just hear in your words just a little bit more about your work, uh, the work that you do with Bell Detroit, and also uh, the community that you serve. Yeah, so I run Bell Detroit. We're a creative agency. We service mission-driven organizations, so that includes nonprofits, social enterprises, and other mission-driven companies, so small businesses that are really community-driven companies with CSR initiatives, things like that. And we are here in Detroit, Michigan, and we are very intentional about training income-limited moms here in the city and providing them with opportunities in graphic design, web design, content writing, and marketing. They come up through our training program, join our workforce, and we're in the process of becoming a co-op so they can benefit from profit sharing and other, other benefits in the future and building the, building the company together. That's so cool. So what drew you to that work, specifically like with young mothers um, and that demographic? So um, I've done a lot of work in the past uh, with 
with moms uh, on campus when I was uh, in college, and I first realized what a social enterprise was probably 10 years ago. I really love the fact that social enterprises use the market in order to make a difference. I think it's the coolest thing ever. Um, nonprofits are fantastic. They have a, a great role that they play too, but um, what I what I love is when you're working with a, a population that isn't, um, that hasn't had as many advantages, that's when you're providing a for-profit product or service, then they get um, just the empowerment of someone paying for that. Uh, there's a, a lot of tendency, I think, to look at disadvantaged populations and um, to perceive them as charity cases. And the social sector sometimes has a problem with that. So I love that social enterprises um, sort of provide a new model for that. My background's in marketing management. And um, I, I lived in New York for a little bit. And I moved back to Detroit when I got married. Um, I was from the suburbs originally, moved in Ann Arbor. And I moved into the city when I came back, and I knew I wanted to use my uh, my marketing in a way that uh, that could make a difference. And that's partly what Bell Detroit does in, in the sense that we we help advance the impact of you know mission driven organizations. But um, even more than that, I wanted to see how can we take this business model and um, and like share the power, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And I actually the the first iteration of Bell Detroit wasn't even in marketing. It was providing a resource database online where moms in the city could access all the resources that that exist. There's so much out there. There's, you know, there's WIC, there's all these different programs, and there wasn't one place where everything was being housed. Wow. I couldn't figure out how to monetize something like that without selling ads. It felt weird to sell ads to nonprofits and social organizations. Mm. And so I realized I have all this background in marketing management. Um, I can train and bring people alongside. So I got a team of instructors together. I incorporated in 2017, but didn't get that first cohort off the ground until July, 2020. And we've run two cohorts and are actually right um, in the middle of an apprenticeship now wow. for our, our third training iteration. That's amazing. That's so cool. And I, lo I love what you said about just, you know, why you were drawn to social enterprise because I'm drawn to social enterprise for many of the same reasons. Like there is such a um, important sense of like dignity that I think social enterprises convey to the people that they serve. And um, I just think that's that's really powerful and really, really special. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the, you know, community of young mothers, you know, specifically in Detroit, like what are some of the challenges and obstacles that they face? And, you know, um, how does Bell Detroit address those challenges specifically? Yeah, I, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> We're here, obviously, primarily to provide a skill set to offer mobility into the white collar workforce. But because we're whole people with challenges that are not just economic, um, we, end up addressing some of the other situations that our moms face. They are incredible. They are all such present mothers. They are so devoted to their families. They are so hardworking. It's just funny when a, a new cohort starts and we're done for the day and I'm getting these texts at night of all these moms at home on their laptops trying to, to do more in Photoshop, to do more in Illustrator. Just, yeah, the moms have an incredible work ethic and it's it's a huge privilege to work with them. Some of the challenges are um, just what you'd see in, in any kind of urban setting that has a lot of problems with poverty. There's there's a need for more resources here. Um, there's uh, 
there's just a problem where you have access to things based on who you know. And if your network is limited to a set of zip codes that are already disadvantaged and don't receive um, just the same as more, I guess, uh, wealthier zip codes or wealthier communities, then your network isn't going to be able to leverage resources as well as just a different neighborhood. And um, that's an issue that's uh, that they face. Um, there's housing insecurity here. There's um, there's just some relationship insecurity. There's people just trying to make do um, with with what they can access. And um, what we're trying to do is provide the stability that we can. I love. I think social. It was SEA that uh, that said something in a recent email about providing fair, a fair wage um, and consistent work. You might not have come up with that idea, but I think I saw it from you. And I, I love that phrasing. I love that it just takes these two things, that there's this fair wage, that it's uh, you're getting what you're worth, but also that it's consistent. Um, and that's what we're building toward is as consistent as possible, as fair wage as possible. So we are starting our moms at when they graduate from our program at $20 an hour and um, building out as many hours as we can based on projects and demand. And um, every... Every mom also has uh, just their own home life situation, how much they want to be with their children. So one thing that's really nice is just the flexibility we can offer them to be present with their kids where um, we have a mom right now who's nursing with her two-month-old down the hall <laughs> um, while, I'm, while I'm talking to you. And she's doing that while she's on Photoshop. She said, oh, I can multitask. And I said, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's why you're here because we that's believe awesome. in moms. We believe that you can do this. And, um, and we're trying to make this as just... We want to make it possible for you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I love how the whole model is just built around empowerment, you know, from the education piece to the recognition of the network and access um, to even just what you said there about, you know, everybody's life situation is different. And one of the benefits of this kind of work is that you have some flexibility around it. Like you can be a mom and a professional too. And, you know, and you can raise kids and uh, which, uh, you know, you're really addressing a lot of equality issues in in just the approach of work. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, too, that you talked about how you are, well, just that there are all of these different, you know, obstacles and challenges that these uh, young women face. And just, I think we come to expect certain obstacles, you know, housing and, and stuff like that, but just even to recognize that, we all have like social networks. And if you're not living in a middle class or wealthy area of town, like that limits your network um, and their resources. And so even with things like having childcare, you know, from the people around you or having access to a reliable place to buy diapers or, or something like that, I, I think it's awesome that you all are aware and, and advocating for these women and um, empowering them because there are just like such a variety of factors that play into um, just the difficulty of, of their situations. Yeah, I think that this really speaks to one of the SEA's values about equality for equity, you know, that everyone deserves equal access and opportunity. Uh, I'm really curious through the work that you're doing, you know, what does that mean for you? What's the difference between those two words and how does that play out into the everyday work? Yeah, I I think from my standpoint, um, I was raised with a very different background. I um, I did have a lot of access. I went to private school. I, you know, I, I had a lot of um, opportunities at my disposal. I was raised by parents that really valued education and 
um, spent significant resources in order to make that a priority for me. And I'm now in a situation where I can do anything, right? I, I have an immense privilege of, um, of being able to choose, to write my ticket, choose what I want to do. And um, I, I just feel very convicted and very compelled to, to look for opportunities of where I can lay down, you know, my own corporate climbing or whatever I could be doing so that other people do have access to, to opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have. Certainly that's not everybody's call. Like <laughs> That's just, that's what's been placed on my life that I want to do. And um, yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the distinction between equality and equity. I think that's sort of been the big buzzword question in recent years. That's, um, yeah, we don't, we don't all get equal circumstances. We don't all get um, a fair shake. In some ways, we can use that to our advantage. Um, our backgrounds differ. They're not all the same. And that helps us differentiate. It helps us to pursue more creative opportunities than we might not have otherwise. That being said, I think we want a fair playing field um, for basic human needs. Um, for people to think creatively, they need to have other basic things met. And um, that's what we're trying to address here is, can we provide some of that economic security so that we can have these incredible creative minds actually be able to be unleashed so people aren't sitting around thinking, you know, how am I going to pay my rent this month? But they're thinking, how can I make this campaign as effective as possible? Or how can I think really outside the box on this problem? And uh, that's where we can come in and, and sort of bridge those two things and um, and provide opportunities for moms that, that I, I want to stress have the ambition and the work ethic and the creativity and the talents of their wealthier counterparts, but they don't actually get a seat at the table because they have other priorities that uh, they need to address and that more traditional work environments and more traditional opportunities will not afford them. Yeah. And I love how you brought that in because I think that that's a great example of the issues that we're working with through equality and equity, that if you have energy that is required to stress about finances, it means it's less energy that you have for that creative space. You're, you're actually using that creative part of your mind to, to be trying to think through how to solve that problem rather than taking and saving that energy for, you know, the creative work that could bring in more income. And then it, it creates this cycle, you know? So I really appreciate the way that you just described that because I think that that's a very real and tangible picture. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I'd love to also just like hear, um, you know, you've been, you've been doing this and you can see the impact that Bell Detroit is having in these women's lives. You know, even just to reference, you have a mother down the hall who's nursing while she is working on Photoshop. And I just think that's so, that's so cool. Is there like a particular maybe success story or two that really stick out to you um, as like moments when you were like, okay, this, this is what this is all about? Yeah, my absolute favorite thing to see is confidence growing. And that's happened with several of our members. It's not a one-time thing. But it's amazing to see someone come into a program and they, um, they're very creative, right? They, they don't necessarily know it or they wouldn't have called themselves a creative person. But then they start working with these tools, Photoshop, Illustrator, all kinds of social tools, everything that we're using. And as they develop the skill sets and they start creating things, they get really good feedback from clients. Maybe they get really good engagement on social and they could see the impact that's, um, it's being validated by an outside source, not just me, even though. 
you know, we, we have a lot of validation here in the program too, that as that grows, um, they can come in and there's just like a different, different spring in their step when they're coming in, you know, more than 12 weeks later, the moms in our program have been with us a lot longer than, um, just the training that, you know, some of them are going on six months and they'll come in and they're, they own the place <laughs> and they can, they can feel like they have a say in, um, and how a client's brand will affect this next part of the strategy or they have this room um, to, to speak. They, they have the confidence to speak on things. And that just wasn't the, the case when they, when they started here. And um, that's my favorite thing to see is to see like where the moms in our program are using their skills in a way that is just life-giving for them. That's exciting for them. It's work that they enjoy and it's work that they're good at and that they're being affirmed in that. Yeah, that's so cool. I think you're really doing a great job of thinking of the whole person, you know, um, and, and it even shows in that story that you just shared. You mentioned earlier about the future of Bell Detroit and thinking of it more in terms of a co-op. I love that idea. And it again, it just feels like this overarching theme of empowerment. What brought you to that idea? Are there other future plans that you see as Bell Detroit continues to develop? Yeah, I think in terms of thinking about equity, like what is a way of laying down power? That's how I often think about my work is where do I have opportunities that I can lay down um, for something sustainable? And uh, uh, the nice thing with a co-op structure is there's co-ownership, there's shared risk, there's shared responsibility, and ultimately there's shared rewards. And um, I think there's also just a joy that comes when something is your own, when you do have ownership over it, not just, you know, getting a bonus check at the end of something, but being part of building it. There's something really beautiful in that, being a, a co-creator. And the goal is to find members that share that kind of zeal for the work that we're doing who want to be part of building it in order to benefit um, and, and to be part of its growth. I think the other thing that I like to think about is where am I existing in a silo that needs to get broken down? And moving toward a co-op forces you to lay some of that down, even if you're not thinking in terms of power and privilege, just thinking in terms of isolation versus community. Um, silos isolate us. They they cause us to think in our heads, um, what are my ideas? What do I want to get done? And if I have a, a mindset moving forward of how can this be more of a communal thing, then it forces me to make today's decisions with community in mind, with um, being more intentional about seeking input from the moms in my program, um, being as transparent as I can about uh, about Bell Detroit and some of the inner workings, giving them as many glimpses behind the curtain as I possibly can so that they can see um, how the sausage gets made. It's, and it's not something that's hidden. It's not, you know, me on this pedestal and everyone else just sort of doing this work, but that we're all in it together. That's you, um, you get the, the joy and also the challenge of problem solving together. Um, that's, that's what I love about the co-op model. And of course, there's a lot of, uh, legal things that have to come into play. That's what that's sort of where things take a long time. You also have to find people that want to be part of that. You can have a fantastic worker that doesn't want to be a worker owner. That's fine too. Um, it's a certain kind of person, I think, that, that wants to be part of um, owning and operating something. And what we're doing right now is identifying and providing opportunities to build this mutual trust and see who wants to be in it for the long haul. Um, wow. And, so that we can build something down the road that's uh, that is more sustainable and that yeah. has their fingerprint. And and everybody wins, you know, yeah. the organization wins and they win, and you know, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I think it's it's really cool because 
there's a lot of people out there who talk about community and, you know, diversity and trust and, you know, justice and equality and all of these things that you, that Bell Detroit is hitting on, but you are truly walking the walk. And it's just really beautiful to hear you speak about it because I really just admire the way that you are going about your work and really, you know, evaluating, um, how this can be the most beneficial and, and transparent, you know, organization around. Um, and as you continue to move towards, you know, this co-op structure, we'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast to share more about it. Cause it really sounds, it sounds like a fascinating process and an awesome end result. So, but not without its challenges, I'm sure. So we'll definitely have to keep up with you and, and hear about how that's all going. One kind of thing to close this out, um, you know, this podcast, we expect that a lot of our audiences are either social enterprise interested or enthusiastic, or maybe they're social entrepreneurs themselves. So we would love to give you a chance to share if you have any advice for social entrepreneurs or maybe something that you learned along the way that um, that might help someone else who is maybe at the beginning of their social enterprise journey, something you wish you'd known. Um, we'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah, I think um, one thing that's a little bit challenging about being in a for-profit space is a lot of pressure on um, making money, which is, of course, important. But there can be a lot of uh, seeing your worth and and something like that and seeing the value of your mission um, purely in terms of financials. And one thing that really helped me break out of that kind of mindset of always number crunching is to say, what is going to ultimately drive up value? for the moms in my program, and for also just the kind of business I want to create, one that is with flexibility. And identifying what about my business makes that valuable. How can I leverage that? How do I leverage that in the kind of work that we pursue? How do I leverage that in um, the kind of scheduling I do or, or the, the just the basic business model, the setup? Um, yeah, that's where the social enterprise space can be it can be really good. Um, it's good for this community to grow because a lot of these answers of how do we marry like mission with money doesn't exist in traditional models. Um, mm. If you're going to get counseling from someone in the for-profit sector, there's not a big focus on mission. And at the same time, if you're not a 501c3, you won't be able to leverage those kinds of resources. Mm. So I'm really excited to see the ecosystem grow. And I think that's something that I want to be part of um, and helping, you know, social entrepreneurs a few years from now to be able to tap into resources that didn't exist when I was starting and part of a larger conversation that, uh, that needs to exist in order to leverage some of this work and to help social entrepreneurs think about their work um, just very intrinsically about the mission and uh, just be more intentional about every single thing you're doing every day is driving up that mission and not just what you're checking or what you're creating in an impact report. Yeah. I think that there's a lot that uh, all of us can learn or have just been able to learn and hear from you. And I think one of the other things that I'm walking away from is just you, you've really hold, held to a value of you know, trying to make the world a better place through this business model. And you're, you're very intentional about asking that question in every single aspect. Yeah. You know, it's not just about this one, mission that you're serving, but it's truly like how you're paying through uh, your wages, how you're trying to think through ownership models, how you're trying to think through um, schedules. It, it's, it, it is clear that it's bleeding into every phase of your organization. And that's, I think, very cool and very uh, inspiring. So 
I really appreciate you sharing your story and your passion. And, and uh, I know that I'm walking away pretty inspired to keep yeah. keep pushing into our impact in many different ways. Thank you both for taking the time. <laughs> yeah, this has been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much, Carmen. <laughs>